0: This is the doctor, president-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone
1: for Jelly, baby? I'm the doctor.
0: I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey and the constellation of Castabras.
2: hey who vans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary and my name's adam and we are at episode
1: 65
2: mm. hope you've all recovered from quite a busy weekend if you went to the festival
3: mm, it's manic would not it
2: and if not hope you recovered from looking at all the tweets and everything that was going on it was it's quite manic i guess
3: yeah, there's been a lot. Uh, it's been a lot kicking off after Saturday's episode, isn't it? <laughs> online, I think it's fair to say.
2: Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's going to be an interesting review later. Hmm. Interesting in a way that, um, yeah. <laughs> Less- interesting.
3: <laughs> interesting in a Love of Monsters way. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, I think so. Yeah. 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 Uh, thank you all for sending in your thoughts and reviews on that one, uh, and we had quite a few audio clips as well. So you guys are, you're stepping your game up, which is good.
3: Oh, excellent look forward to listening
2: to those yeah so we hope you guys have had a fantastic week um like I said if you went to the festival um, I hope you've recovered and got some sleep back and your feet are now not aching um, and if you haven't just whatever you've been doing I hope you've had a good week chilled out watch them who not watched who whatever mm. whatever whatever suits you <laughs> <laughs> um what have you been up to buddy
3: well, I've just been I've just been recovering from the festival, mate. Um, and it's is weird actually because <laughs> this is quite a sort of it was such a good weekend that um, found myself at a bit of a loose end on Sunday night. i was Aww. sort of on a bit of a downer. Didn't you feel that? I was thinking, I don't know. I just didn't want it to end. And I, even though yeah. I was shattered on Saturday after it all finished, I I didn't want to sleep either. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you I don't know if you had that. I just wanted to stay awake um, and chat to people and just keep keep the festival going because yeah. It was yep. a pretty good day, wasn't it? I think we had a we had a good one.
2: It was a really good a really good time, yeah. A really good day. All in all. A good weekend. Yeah. Overall. It was. Um yeah, so you haven't been up to anything, just festival recovery and feeling melancholy and <laughs> Well
3: I've been I've been editing the video. Um I did I did some filming at the festival, so I've been spending all my spare time editing that. And uh I thought I'd got it ready and I showed my partner the video last night um and it got torn to pieces so i'm actually going to go back and uh, re-edit it um this afternoon because <laughs> oh. uh, i thought it i thought it was pretty decent i wanted to get it up pretty quick because i am quite um ocd about my videos I do spend ages just editing them so i thought well this one i've got to get my act together i've got to get it up pretty quick um yeah so i thought it was ready to go but um there are a few little improvements that, that need to be made so i am going to Redo that this afternoon. So, to be honest with you, that's what I've spent most of my week doing. When I've I've had any spare time, I've just been, I've just been editing the video because I yeah I want to get it want to get it out there for people to see. um I have done. A, I did watch downtime this week. You know the the unofficial sequel to the web planet. Oh, cool. Yes. Um, yeah. At, is it the web planet? No, Web of Fear. Sorry, yeah. Web of Fear. That's because that's because Capaldi was talking about the web planet. I've still got it in my head um, at the festival. So yeah, I've been watching the downtime and uh i've never seen it before it came out originally came out in nineteen ninety five i think and this is the first time it's come out on on d v d sorry um and it's the first time i've watched it and I, I actually for what it is i really enjoyed it i don't know if you've seen it have you
2: i haven't yet no i'm going i'm gonna pick it up though
3: it's worth a watch i mean it's um it's very much of its time and it is an independently produced um drama so yeah it's kind of you know i suppose uh, dated sounds cruel but you know what i mean it's of its time so bear that in mind you may be watching it thinking what a because the sort of robotized men for want of a better word in it are wearing these yellow caps and you know (laughs) the the sort of fashion stuff is a bit thing but but i for what it is i actually really enjoyed it and because it's got um sarah jane in it and the brig and everything it's just Great to see stuff that I haven't seen of them, if you know what I mean. So even though it was old, it was like new stuff for me. I was thinking, oh, I've never seen Sarah Jane in this. And, yeah, I enjoyed it. I I really did. And there's a cool making of On Disc 2, which shows Christopher Barry at work. And I found that fascinating because, you know, he did a lot of Who, Christopher Barry. And Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting to see a director at work and how he pulls it all together and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, So so apart from doing all the editing, I, I did find time to... To watch the two dish set of that.
2: Um, Chris Barry is in the director, not not um, the the Red Dwarf. Chris Barry. <laughs> no,
3: not hol- not not hologram, not Holly. Mm-hmm. No, it's hologram, isn't it? No, not him. No, no, no. Actually, I don't know if you noticed, there was somebody who asked a question at the festival that had the H yes. on his head, and he, people were in the audience like, what's that?" It's a Red Dwarf fan in here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. He was. He had a start. He had the top half was Star Trek. Yeah. And then he had the Red Dwarf hologram, and he had a sonic screwdriver with him as well. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, right, so he was okay. rocking a few franchises there.
3: Oh, right, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't notice that. And only noticed the H, though. So. He
2: was on very shaky ground.
3: Yeah, very shaky ground. Yep. So, yeah, so that's all I've been up to, really, mate. Editing, a of, bit, of, bit of downtime, that's it. What about <laughs> you?
2: Um, yeah, not much, really, mate. Um, we're kind of all, all hooed out. Is, I think is the correct fa- uh, phrase to use after last weekend. Mm. Um, not that you could ever be 100% percent hooed out, but um, it was non-stop who, you know, for two and a half days, really. Uh, so this weekend I've just been um, checking out some, uh, trying to get some Big Finish listened to, but I just can't, for some reason, I can't listen to Big Finish while I'm working. Oh uh, right! I don't know what it is. I just I, I end up having to rewind all the time and go back a chapter and listen to it again and stuff. So that's been a bit of an epic fail for right, Big Finish. Yeah. So I think I need to just zone out a little bit and get the headphones on while I'm because I used to I used to listen to it while I was going to sleep. You know, when I when I got into bed, I'd stick some some Big Finish on and listen mm. to most of it that way. But yeah, um, so. I tried to finish off the rest of Doom Coalition because I've got the last story to listen to for that. Oh right, um, but that didn't work because I was working and I just couldn't listen to it. Um, and I haven't even uh, I haven't even list, started listening to the um, Jäger Lightfoot and Strax. Yep.
3: Oh yes, yes. Yeah.
2: So, but that's on that's on the cards for for tomorrow. Hopefully,
3: that looks good. I like I like the cover to that. I've heard it's mm. pretty good fun actually. Yeah, um, it looks good. It sounds good. good. Yeah, Sounds good, yeah. Yeah. Um, For the benefit of anyone who's listened to our last couple of podcasts that's heard me ranting about my Doom Coalition not turning up um, and me threatening to throw over their stall at the festival, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you'll be very pleased to hear it. It turned up the morning that I left. I mean, it could have been better timing. Um, It literally arrived as I was leaving to go uh, to London. Uh, to the festival so,
4: uh,
3: <laughs> so I was really pleased because I think it would have been o- hanging over me like a dark cloud especially seeing the the big finish stand there and all their cool stuff and and everything so um, yeah. I must admit I didn't did you I can't remember now you didn't did you buy anything from the big finish stand
2: nope no I wanted to which we'll come on to in a little while mm. yeah
3: uh, I guess because I, I, I didn't just because I like the I like the fact they give you the free download so there was a couple of things I was tempted by, but I thought I'd wait and get them from their site to get the free download. Yes. Uh, and and risk it taking two months to arrive. But
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so not much else really. Um I got really excited yesterday. We're recording this on Thursday the nineteenth, so yesterday, which had been the eighteenth, I got super excited because it's exactly a month until the new Star Wars, but
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Other than that, not much.
3: Uh my, my uncle, just to go off track slightly, has invited me to a midnight screening of the Star Wars. And I'm really in two minds because it's on a school night and I'm thinking I won't get back till like four in the morning, but I'm thinking I'd, I desperately want to
2: see it. Oh uh, Yeah, dude, that was my, mm. yeah. Cause I remember when, um, I don't want to talk about Star Wars too much, but I remember when they announced tickets, like all the UK cinema sites, when they all crashed and went down mm. I managed to get into, um, uh, the queuing system for the O2, the Cineworld at the O2 at midnight. Oh yeah, and I had it there. I had the seat and everything. I had it selected, ready to pay, mm. and I suddenly thought, "How am I going to get back from London?" Because if it starts at like two minutes after midnight, it won't finish till I'm assuming like two in the morning ish. Yeah, there's no well, trains. How am I going to get back?
3: We're train. Uh, we're trailers as well. I think you're more looking at three hours because it's quite a long film, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, I yeah. know. Ricky. So
2: yeah, I had to can that one, and yeah, but I've got a couple of. Uh, a couple of different screenings booked up so it's all good yeah exciting exciting times that one. Mm. anyways shall we talk about shall we give you guys um, let's give you guys a, a rundown a, a kind of mini review on the festival before we get yeah. into the news yeah Yeah. so last weekend we were at the Excel in London and um, you, were, you probably all know the drill so it's, it was kind of a similar thing to the 50th anniversary thing that they did at the Excel right
3: yeah, very similar. It was a yeah. very
2: similar thing where you, there's just thousands of Who fans turn up and your day is split into two things, really. You have um, various panels and talks throughout the day, whether that be in a big auditorium theatre type thing where you've got the whole cast and writers and all that sort of stuff. They're just telling you about how they make Doctor Who and then you've got the cast telling you what it's like to be in Doctor Who. And you know, you can ask questions and all that stuff. And then the other half of the day is just shopping. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. Um, and and that's pretty much it. Yeah, um, I was
3: going to say, if, one thing, if they, one thing was different from this, uh, from the 50th, is that they'd, there wasn't as much going on. But actually that was a good thing because at the 50th, they had lots of um, classic uh, Doctor Who actors on stage upstairs at the same time as other things going on. And it was really hard to you know, you sort of had to make a choice a lot of the time of what you were going to watch and what you weren't because there were things running mm-hmm. at the same time. And there wasn't so much of that this time, which was a good thing. So it, initially it felt like there wasn't that much going on. It felt like less compared to the 50th. But on hindsight, it, it actually worked a lot better, I think, because we sort of pretty much managed to get everything in, didn't we?
2: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And the way, the way they ran it this, um, I say this year, the way they ran this one was was pretty good because you could um they divided fans pretty much into two types of tickets. You mm. had your Dalek ticket, which we were on, and then you had your Cyberman ticket. And they staggered the times for things. So they didn't just pile everybody from the whole event, you know, into do into the one Q and A panel or something else. Mm. They they split it between Daleks and Cybermen the different times. So that was quite cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it worked well.
2: And overall I think it was I think it was fairly well to be honest there wasn't anything that popped up that we were like oh what this is this is rubbish and you know in terms of organization and stuff it Mm. was on the day i mean it was uh, yeah it was pretty good
3: yeah no i I would agree with that i would agree i mean we were a bit worried about all the photo scheduling and there being chaos and stuff and um no it all all flowed pretty good really i think like you said a lot of it were a lot of time we spent in the actual merchandise because there was a lot of stalls there and a lot of great stuff to look at and um you know, that's where everyone sort of congealed in between all the sort of talk panels and stuff, didn't they? So Yeah. You know, we spent a lot of time in there. And there was there was I mean there was other stuff to look at in there as well. There was, you know, there were Daleks in there obviously, and they had Davros's um chamber. What's it called? Davros's room. His chamber, yeah, that was really cool. That was good. You could walk in and have a selfie with Davros. Um they had some costumes, um, you know, and props. They had Danny the effects man, um oh, yeah. Yeah. with his snow big snow machine and a sort of tiny tardis and stuff so that was good so there was lots going on in that merch room as well but yeah it was, it was um i don't know it was it was it was enough to keep us going wasn't it in between all the other stuff really and obviously we we met up with everyone in there which was great
2: yeah so, yeah so the day it had three main talks that we went to two and a half of them <laughs> so you, yeah the first one was meet the writers which is really cool on our day so they had um uh, Stephen Moffat in there. It had um, Peter uh, Peter Harness, yeah, and it had um, um, what's her name, Sue Dollard.
3: Yeah, I kept getting her Sue name Dullard. wrong, which yeah. won't surprise anyone. I kept calling her Helen, I think, but yeah.
2: Okay, yeah. So Peter Harness obviously wrote the really good uh, Zygon two-parter, mm. and Sue so yeah. she writes she, um, she wrote the the upcoming Face the Raven. Yeah, and that was quite interesting. I quite like that talk because. Um, more than anything it, it just showed how I know there might be a lot of people who are going to wince at this bit but it showed how cool of a guy Stephen Moffat is really
3: yeah he's a he's a funny one isn't he because he's quite cantankerous but he's also very sort of um I was gonna say likeable but he's interesting to listen hmm. to isn't he I mean he doesn't I think he he's very honest which I think you know is what makes him quite engaging when he's talking he you know, he can be quite um, even confrontational. I suppose. I mean, he was getting a little bit of stick, and he's he's not afraid to stand up for himself. And I, I quite liked that. I come out of there really quite liking the moth.
2: Yeah, me too. And he was—he's very humble as well. Mm. He, he's never—he's never come across, especially on Saturday as well. He never came across like, um, like he was, you know, the world, you know, owed him, you know, a job writing Doctor Who and all that stuff he's very much a case of I have no idea why the BBC you know gave me the job I have no idea how my scripts get written and completed and all that stuff he's very you know he's very humble with it which is cool it's
3: interesting actually his writing style being sort of, he he talked about how he writes and how he sort of just starts with an idea and doesn't think about the ending mm-hmm. and uh, yeah um is it Susan, what's her name? Sue, Sue Dollard. Sue yeah. Gallup, Dollard was saying she's the opposite. She sort of has to think of a beginning and an end and then fills it in. So it's quite interesting to see the sort of totally different styles of, of, of the way they write stuff.
2: Yeah, that was cool. He basically said that he has no idea. He has like a little idea in his head. He yeah. just goes to the computer and just starts typing and that's it. Yeah. Whereas yeah. a lot of other writers, they have, um, they have a, if you've ever seen any interviews with J.K. Rowling as well, she she was very much the same where they work out the, the the overall story um you know and they write loads of notes and they put everything together so they've already worked out what's going to happen in like the first middle and last act and they've got all their characters worked out and you know everything's mind mapped and brainstormed everything's there and then they start writing the actual dialogue and script, yeah which is quite cool but you know Moffat he just seems like a loose cannon he just sits down and starts writing it's quite funny as well that he said that because there was a couple of people because they do um the, the last part of each talk was a Q&A mm.
4: and
2: there was a couple of people who were who were saying like you know I'm an aspiring writer I love Doctor Who and it's made me want to pursue a, a career in writing and stuff can you give me some advice and uh, I think the Moffat was very much like you know you have to very much hate, your, hate yourself and hate everything and you know your a script is never perfect and it's never done and you're going to want to you know throw your laptop out the window and stuff like that yeah. so that was quite cool he was very very honest about that because there are some writers not many but there are some where they can be a bit like yeah it just comes naturally to me and I can you know I can do this and that but um, uh, 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 Sue Dollard as well as Stephen Moffitt, they were very much like no it's um it's a very laborious and uh, almost torturous uh, process to go through sometimes. So, yeah, it was that. I, I really like that about those guys. They didn't, they didn't hold much back, really.
3: No, no, exactly. Uh, we we didn't get much from, um, from uh, Peter Harness, did we? He looked a bit, he almost looked like he didn't want to be there, actually. I mean, we. it was mostly sort of um, Sue and, and Stephen Moffat that were sort of giving some good stuff. Uh, yeah, Peter Harness quite quite kind of quiet. held back. Yeah, he was quite quiet, wasn't he? Which is a shame because it's such a good two-parter. Um, and obviously there was that amazing speech that was written in that two-par as well. But he was quite quiet, wasn't he? Didn't, didn't really get much from him.
2: Yeah, he was, um, to be fair, there wasn't many people who had um, who had fired questions at him. Mm. Um, even though he'd wrote, you know, just recently wrote, you know, possibly one of the best 2 in since who came back. Yeah. Um, there wasn't much in a way. I mean, he did answer a few questions and stuff and he was quite funny. And I've just realised that we've got... Um, uh, we've been saying her name wrong. It's Sarah Dollard. Oh, Sarah Dollard. Why have we been saying Sue? Where do we get Sue from?
3: Because we... Well, I call her Helen on the video, so <laughs> we're just rubbish with names. Blimey. It's all it, it's oh, yeah. Do
2: you know what? That's the one thing that we're absolutely shocking with. I know. It's names. I'm gonna. I'm going to buy a pen. at some point I'm going to buy
3: ask Santa for a pen
2: I don't think I own many pens anymore but (laughs) I'm going to buy a pen and bloody write stuff down Right. so Sarah Dollard and Moffat they answered quite a few questions and Peter was very much like you know in the middle bit of a gooseberry but he was what he did say was was quite cool there wasn't much of an insight into anything but no yeah it was quite cool yeah Um, I think
3: the Moffat stole the show on that one a bit
2: yeah and he was very funny as well Mm. he was very funny with it um so that was the meet the meet the the writers uh panel and then after that we just stuck around because I think it was like fifteen minutes later we had the meet the cast. Yeah. And that was Capaldi, Jenna Coleman, um uh, Ingrid Oliver and Michelle Gomez. Mm. Um and uh that was run by the really, really funny um Toby Haydock.
3: I I really love Toby. I think he's great. Apparently, he's been getting quite a lot of flack on some forums.
2: I have no idea why, because I I think he's brilliant. He's really, he's really, he's he's one of these guys that is just instantly likable. Yeah, he's got he's got this charm about him. He's just you you can't dislike Toby. Why is he getting flack? Come on!
3: Oh, because there's idiots out there. No, I just saw it on his Facebook page. I mean, obviously, he was on a real high after festival, and he just said the wind had been taken out of him because he, he went on Gallifrey bass, which I I don't I don't <clears throat> Excuse me, I've never been on, so I don't know what it's like, but I've heard of it. But, yes. yeah, no, I, I love Toby because he's such a big fan anyway, and he really knows his stuff, and he's just very relaxed, isn't he? I think, you know, if anything, people criticise him for not leading the panel more, but mm-hmm. oh, I did, I did for me, that wasn't a problem. I thought he was great. He just sort of – he lets the people speak. That's what I like about him. He just – He's a bit like a fan just talking to them on stage, basically isn't it so yeah, I thought yeah.
2: It, I thought it was perfectly balanced his yeah, me too. his interview because he did say at the beginning as well that he's not going to talk too much he wants yeah. he wants them to to you know talk to you guys and because otherwise what's the point of them being on there because they're not on exactly. there for that long what was it forty five minutes uh, yeah, something exactly. like that, so yeah. and there was four of them as well, so you know all all respect to Toby, I thought he did really well um and that was. Um, The vibe that I got from that talk on the Saturday, I'm not sure how it went on the Friday. And I know that on the Sunday, um, it was quite emotional because I think Mm. Capaldi gave um, uh, Jenna Coleman a big bouquet of flowers. and It was quite Mm -hmm. emotional. Yeah. Um, But I think um, on our one, there was a load of lots of love for Clara and Jenna Coleman. Oh, yeah. In our talk
3: yeah big time she she yeah she got the majority of the questions which um kind of annoyed me a bit actually i felt a bit sorry for peter it's like every time someone stood up they're like got a question for jenna and i was like oh because i was just like yeah i know she's (laughs) leaving and that but but yeah there definitely was the most love in the room was for jenna and you know i just felt a bit sorry for peter because a lot of the time we just sort of sat there and it was question after question for jenna but but um she was great i mean i'm so glad that she actually got at this festival because it Obviously, been you know we know that she's departing the series soon, so it was great to sort of get to hear her. And they were teasing her about that, weren't they? I think we both yeah. said this afterwards that um, Peter and Stephen are obviously genuinely gutted that she's left because there was a couple of comments made, but you can sort of tell that they really are, you know, going to miss her and, and are quite upset that she's she's going. Yeah.
2: Um, there was that one question as well where somebody said, um, "If you could bring back a companion." To work with, who's left the show? Who would it be? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Peter and Stephen in sync instantly said Clara. Yeah, without yeah. even thinking about it. Mm. Um, so that was quite sweet. Um, but yeah, you can tell that they're genuinely not happy about her her leaving at this point. But
3: she got to talk the most. I mean, I think um, uh, Missy kind of she got a massive round of applause when she was on screen. Uh, she didn't get asked that many questions, and nor did. I think Toby sort of spoke to them a bit, didn't he? Ingrid Oliver, he he talked about how, how, um, you know, was it playing sort of two versions of herself and all that sort of thing. And uh, Peter did get asked a few questions. He got asked sort of the traditional what monster would you like to bring back? And he said the Zarby, which got him into quite a nice conversation with the moth about it. And that was quite a nice moment, I thought.
2: Yeah, I think the moth said, um, I think he said the sea devils. Yes, he He'd did. Like yeah to bring back, which is mm, not a bad I'd love thing.
3: To, yeah. I'd love to see that. Yeah, as long as long as they don't ruin them, and they've still got the blue vest. But uh, <laughs> isn't
2: that like the crux of everything with Doctor <laughs> Who? As long as they don't ruin it. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm looking at the Silurians, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and that was pretty much it, really. Jenna got most of the questions, and um, and you can kind of understand she's a. Although we've we've criticised her character quite heavily over the past couple of series. Um, she is a very popular companion. Very um, popular. A lot of people, because some of the people, when mm. they were asking questions, they started their question with, um, can I just say that you're... One, one girl said, you're my idol. Yeah. Um, and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of people said, I can't believe I'm talking to you and it's such an honour and all that stuff. So she's very popular. She does get a lot of love. and um, But that panel was, was quite cool. And then the last panel was the... Special effects featuring Mark Gattis, mm. um, which we wasn't really a fan of. Really, we kind of we 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 got in there, um, albeit a couple of minutes late. Um, and essentially, what it was, somebody was quizzing um, the I think it's the the MD or the or the, the manager at Millennium Effects, um, who do a lot of the computer-generated visual effects stuff on the show. And yeah. Mark, Gat- uh, Mark Gattis was talking through, you know, his last episode that he wrote, which is what we're going to review in a little while, and um, some of the effects that they had that he had wanted them to do in things like um, what was the submarine Russian oh uh, Cold War Cold War yes um, mm. he, he had spoke a little bit about the effects on that and stuff, and then they basically said, you know, give us um, give us a a creature off the top of your head and then they had like two special effects artists who had to work up a design by the end of the talk and that sort of stuff yeah um so it was okay but um i found myself drifting off a little bit with that one not to say that i'm not interested in that stuff i am i think it was just the way that that panel was run was very just a little bit slow for me yeah, it was, and
3: and Mark didn't didn't really seem on top form either. I mean, I've yeah. seen him interviewed, and he can be quite, a, he's he's quite a charismatic guy and stuff. And he seemed a bit flat, didn't he? I thought he he didn't seem as quite yeah. into it. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe it's because they're going through the same questions that they asked yesterday, and they're a bit bored of it. I don't know, but it wasn't so it wasn't as engaging as the other panel. Let's put it that way. And yeah, um, and we were aware that the clock was ticking towards the end of the day at that point. And I I went and asked the security guard what time it finished. Cause we watched, well, I want to go back into the merchandise hall because hadn't really had much of a chance to sort of properly look around it. Um, and he told me five o'clock. So I was like, Oh, you know, we either watched the end of this and it's going to close or, or we go back in the, room and we decided to go back in the room as it turns out it was actually six o'clock that it finished so we needn't have rushed off but yeah. but to be fair it wasn't yeah i don't think we really missed much we pretty much watched most of it and it like you said it was interesting in its way but it wasn't that uh, yeah i don't yeah. think we missed much
2: no. no yeah so that was the three the three panels there yeah which are overall very good um and then the rest of the day was just so the night before the friday night and all of Saturday. Um, the rest of the time was just hanging out with other Who fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and doing some shopping. They had some some good stalls there. They had. It was funny. One of the um, one of the guys that we um, met on the Friday night, and we also hung uh, hung out with a little bit, was uh, a young chap called Ben Lett. Oh Ben, yeah Ben, and he had told us the night before that he was going to pick up um, the. Uh, big chief Studios uh, Peter Capaldi figure mm. um and it was the festival exclusive yeah. and uh literally because um uh, I watched all a lot i watched the flood of people queuing up and walking into the into the event, and I saw him walking through and um when we got in there, which is probably about ten minutes later, no more than that um we pretty much bumped into those guys and he already had it in his hands. So you know we, we were saying earlier about you know half of the day was about all the stars and behind the scenes and panels and stuff the other half was pretty much shopping. Mm-hmm. He had he had done nearly 200 quid in like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It was it was nuts
3: i really wanted that i really wanted that doctor i was quite restrained actually with the merchandise but what was funny is um you actually ended up carrying it round for a <laughs> yeah. most of that yeah. i kept saying I'm, I'm gonna steal that i'm gonna have that yeah. and i was winding ben up and i actually think ben was getting a bit worried bless him he's like because i kept saying i'm gonna have that and he's like no no where is gary where is gary i need to get it back and he's getting a bit panicky yeah. I think he thought we we're actually gonna run off with it because yeah. Uh, yeah it was a nice nice thing to get actually and uh exclusive to the festival as well so i hear that a lot of them are already on ebay for for you know silly prices mm-hmm. but it's a nice nice thing
2: yeah shopping was okay um mm-hmm. they had some pretty good stores there they had um they had the the festival's own merchandise in store where you could buy like official t-shirts um and other bits and bobs and they also had like pop funkos and loads of like classic who dvds and I loved the um, and mugs and all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I loved the um, uh, barbecue tongs in big giant sonic screwdriver barbecue tongs.
2: Yeah, they tickled you, didn't they? Yeah, you wanted to get them,
3: Yeah, but uh, yeah, what did you buy? Because I I didn't get that much actually. Did did you? I can't remember what you got now. Yeah, you got jumper.
2: Yeah, so I got the um, I got the blue crimbo jumper, which is quite cool. Yeah, Um, and then had some other stalls. that had like Forbidden Planet were there. They had. Uh, the titan comics guys were there Um, they had another effects company there that one of the things that i bought was from rubber toe props and it's the little siege mode tardis you know the little cube Mm. uh, thing which i absolutely love it's um fried in place on the shelf at the moment Mm. Um, so that was really cool and they had it at slightly cheaper price as well than off the website so i thought yep grab that um i also got um i picked up a an adipose plush for the wife because she thinks they're really cute. Um, I also, what else did I get? Um, I've got some other. Oh, I've got. Um, I you got, got the program. Got for the, the day, program, you? the official program book. Yeah, uh, and I got another couple of bits as well, but I cannot remember what I got. Um, yeah, I got some other bits and pieces as well, and they had a couple of, collect- of uh, collector stands there as well, which was quite cool. So that was more like um, stuff that you wouldn't see in like the mainstream. Mm. Um, like the official store on Forbidden Planet and stuff. So overall, it was quite cool. You picked up a couple of bits, didn't you?
3: Yeah, I was going to say. Surprisingly, I think you got you got a lot more than me. I I, I only really bought um I bought a Funko exclusive TARDIS. It's kind of a half disappearing TARDIS, which I hadn't actually seen before. So I got that, and I got a Titan, a four point five inch Titan of the tenth Doctor in his um, uh, sort of what do you call it tuxedo? Isn't it? I think it's from Men in Steel, perhaps, that episode. Age of uh, Steel, yeah. Age of Steel, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's pretty much all I bought. And I got, like, the program for the day, which was quite nice. It was like a sort of hardback binder more than a program, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I got that. And um, I was going to get a T-shirt, but they didn't have my size. I quite liked the T-shirts because James from Who Alex Reviews was rocking his T-shirt all day. And I kept thinking, I really like that. So I was going to hmm. get one of those. But yeah, by the time I got to the stand, they they hadn't got my size. But I think... All the merch has actually gone on sale in the BBC shop, so if there were you know, you can I may still pick one up actually. Oh,
2: cool. Yeah.
3: So yeah, it's quite reserved with the merch considering I would have mm. loved to have got that that twelfth doctor that Ben got, but I just sadly didn't have two hundred pounds on my hip that yep. day. Yeah, um, me too.
2: Yeah.
3: What else did we see that was good? I mean, there was loads of stuff. I love those figurine things, the sort of I kept saying porcelain, they're not, but do, do you know what I mean? There was like a Yeti and a TARDIS and those things really caught my eye.
2: Oh, yes. Yeah. They have yeah. like a range of classic monsters. and. Mm. and, and a I don't know tar- what are they what? made of. What are they? I think they're just resin.
3: Resin. Like yeah.
2: Resin things. Yeah.
3: Quite big figures. I really, really liked those. Those definitely caught my eye. Yeah. Um, they
2: did look good, actually. The Yeti was really good. Oh,
3: Yeti was brilliant. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah, that's it, really. Yeah, that's all, that's all I really bought. I, I did like the Christmas jumper you got. I was very tempted with that. I still might get one of those.
2: Yeah, it is, Yeah. It's really comfy as well is it um so that was pretty much shopping oh and they had big finish there as well yeah um and they had loads of stuff there and i really really wanted to pick up the the colin baker the last adventure oh, that's and so i thought is- yeah and i thought they're bound to have it slightly cheaper um but they didn't and the thing with the thing i was so, i was really really tempted i really wanted it mm. but i thought to myself you know i'm not out of all the other Doctors that have done Big Finish, um, the the Sixth Doctor isn't my biggest, I'm not the biggest fan of the Sixth Doctor mm. enough to spend £40. Pounds. That was the crux of it. Right. right. Um, I probably would have spent 30 quid, at a push to get it, but I wasn't going to spend, it was the most expensive Big Finish there.
3: It's surprising they hadn't reduced it because mm. a lot of the other stuff was, was reduced. Yeah. Um, just yeah. typical that, that that one wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, I know I know what you're saying about Colin, but do you know what? Surprisingly, I mean, he is probably one of the best, actually, on Big Finish. He's so good on the Big Finish audios, Colin.
2: Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I'm, I, I really enjoy him on Big Finish. Really, really do, but not enough to spend forty pounds. Yeah, yeah, on him. So if it was thirty quid, I would have got it. But yeah, there was just something that was telling me like, no, I can't, I can't spend forty quid on, mm. on a on a Colin Baker. That sounds bad because you know it's nothing against Colin. It's just yeah. So anyway, because I load of boxes, a box, I load. They had a load of stuff there that was like twenty five quid. Um, they had stuff there for thirty quid and stuff, and that was all kind of what you expect for like you know convention reduced prices and stuff but mm. the 40 pounds yeah so big finish were there and they had um uh they had a, quite a lot of staff there and lisa lisa bowman was there that was quite cool yeah so that was the shopping really that was the shopping part of it um and i think um i think you will agree with me mate but the thing that made the whole weekend really cool was the the people was being around other who fans and stuff absolutely um, yeah definitely we, yeah we we met up some with some really cool people. We were there with the Who Alex guys, um James and Matt, uh Liv, um, Team Drew. <laughs> Team Drew. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Callum, Cousins, um mm-hmm. just Tom Dix from e- Epic Who. Tom Dix, yeah. Um who else were we knocking about with? Um, ben
3: Lett's, the host productions. Ben Letts,
2: yeah. Um there's a the little
3: chat, um, Bradley, the Sixth Doctor.
2: Yeah, he, his, his cosplay was awesome.
3: Oh, it was awesome, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and so they, those were the guys that we met up with on the Friday night. We went around London for a little bit and found a bar and talked to Who, and that was all really good. Um, yeah, and just being – it was really cool to meet other Who fans as well because quite often throughout the day there would be like we, – we, we'd be walking through a crowd of people and there'd be someone that would go, Gary? yeah you're, you're gary right big blue box podcast they'll be like yeah yeah it's like oh, i just want to say yeah listen it's really, really cool so that was really nice to have that um throughout the day and um it, it's nice it's nice when you guys um come up and say that you're enjoying the show and stuff so that was very very cool
3: yeah it's good to see us we saw a chap called theo uh if you remember he had the same um scarf on as me the yes the uh, yep. burgundy tom baker scarf and theo was my um, hundredth like on my Geeks Hamburg Facebook page when I started, so it was good to see Theo and have a good chat with him and stuff. Yeah, um, it was just yeah, it's just great to hang around with 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 people that you know, like you said, the Who addicts who often send audio clips and and uh, people like that. Just to hang around with with fellow Who fans is just incredible, you know. And just chat with them and talk about episodes and yeah. you know, just just really uh, what's the word? Fan out, fanboy. Yeah, yeah. Just it was
2: just great. It was really good. So that was the festival in a nutshell. Mm. Um, overall, I would say it was really, really good. Um, I can't say—I don't know if anyone would agree with this—but I can't say that it's nearly seventy pounds worth of good.
3: We talked about this on the way out, didn't we? We did. Um, yeah.
2: The, there's one. There's one overriding thing about the whole weekend, right from when they announced this was happening months ago it's all it's all about the money Mm. to the BBC that that's that's the thing that you know because the ticket itself was quite expensive to begin with before you even set foot in the door you've already spent nearly 70 quid and there was lots of tweets on Facebook at the time around Mm. you know families of four or five and it was costing them so much money to go and a lot of people boycotted it and said no I'm not going to spend that much to go to the festival so you had that to begin with and then the photo you had the the fiasco with booking photo ops and stuff and they were quite expensive. Yeah, they were 30 pounds of each. 30 pounds a pop. So if you had yeah. like, you know, a couple of photo opportunities, that's another 60 quid. you know, gone. And then when you got there, um it was very much um they had like merchandising stands outside. They had like a whole big area cordoned off for official merchandise. Mm. And as you went in and you went past the Davros chamber and stuff, Um, you know, you kind of led into the stalls, you know, and all that stuff. So it's very much, I'm not sure how anyone else feels about that, but my point of view on it is, yes, it's great, and it was fantastic to meet other Who fans, all that stuff, but there's still a little side of me that it's like, yeah, this is, you know, this is very much a money-making machine for the BBC. Everything was about purchasing something.
3: I, I have to agree yeah. with you, mate. I mean, we we had a fantastic day and, you know, come out of there on a real big high. But we were both saying this as we walked out. That day was made by the people that we were with. Yes. because You know, yeah. it was just interacting with with, with those guys. Um, that, that's not to take away the panel events and everything, which were also really good fun. But we both said if, like, for example, me at the 50th, I didn't know any of you guys then. So I spent the whole day on my own if i'd paid 70 quid on that day i would not have felt i got value for money and so if i'd have been at this event on my own i, I don't think we got 70 pounds worth on the day to be honest with you it was no, made no. by the people that we met um to be honest with you i mean there's the thing is we when we first went in there was those um costumes and props and everything that was a great little area but it was so small mm. and there was so much room they could have really spread that out i kept thinking this if you watch when you watch the video when we first go in there's all this room and, like, all those uh, costumes were just in a tiny little area. The queue was massive and that. I really don't know why they didn't spread that out. And they could have had some more sort of, you know, like they could have had some more monsters and that there. So, that yeah, I don't think really there was £70 worth of – I don't think there was good value for money in terms of the ticket. And obviously, yeah. like you said, when you factor in the other costs, like the photos, travelling, hotels and everything else, that a lot of people, including myself – would have had to pay
2: yeah me too yep. yeah
3: yeah it's just yeah i don't think i don't think the ticket was good value for money but that's yeah yeah as i say we had a great day but it was mainly made by the by the other people that we met that day i think yeah you know? it was, and it, it
2: was you guys that did it yeah
3: Yeah, it was it without a doubt yeah yeah
2: so yeah uh, uh, there's already talk of them doing another one next year
3: see this is it would we see i would i'd do it again but it is the price isn't it
2: yeah and i'm i'm thinking that if it's the same price or even more i probably won't go
3: i certainly wouldn't go if it was more no way i would literally go up and meet people on the friday night and do that and i wouldn't go to the festival because there's no way i'd pay another 70 quid for you know a couple of panel shows and a room full of merchandise yeah exactly, exactly. what i was
2: going to say if, right. if if they do it again next year and the ticket price is what is it what is it 68 quid
3: 68 quid and then a couple of quid admin or whatever yeah yeah
2: so if it's that if it's that price again or more then i'll probably skip it but i yeah. will go up on the friday night and hang out with some people and but just skip the festival
3: yeah, i I'm exactly. I'm with you there. I'd yeah. be exactly the same and um I'd probably 'cause I <laughs> I told you that once I'd had a few drinks, I'd be on a roll and I was ready to <laughs> rock and roll on the Friday when I uh, we you know, you reined me in, we went home. We only had a couple, didn't we? And yeah. we went back to hotel. But yeah, if they do it again next year and it is that price, I'll literally I'll come up with you, we'll get smashed in London.
2: We'll get smashed and then go home <laughs> on Saturday, yeah. Yeah. So I don't want to put too much of a down on it. It was a great weekend, but Oh it was. That wasn't down to the to the BBC. That was down to all of you. So thanks. Thanks for that. It was really cool.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I concur that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, festival done. Shall we shall we land this rant in TARDIS and get yeah, on some news?
3: Yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
2: The final two, final two episodes of series nine, mm. uh, Heaven Sent and Hell Hellbent, uh, they're going to have extended, extended runtimes. Yeah, which is good. Interesting. Mm. Uh, so normally, what does it run at? 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the the final two, these are the, the, this is the finale ones, isn't it? Yeah. So, yes.
3: Yeah. We're into it already. Can you believe it? Yeah. yeah.
2: So the final two. Um, will run for slightly longer. Uh, so Heaven Sent uh, will go at 55 minutes. And Hellbent will go for 65 minutes. So that's, that's almost a movie.
3: Pretty much.
2: You know, if you think about some movies that are on the shorter end of the scale, mm. um, around 90 minutes, 88, 90 minutes, you're not, far, especially Hellbent, which is 65 minutes, you're not yeah. far off for uh, almost a feature. Yeah, um, and
3: I I like the fact that they're longer as well because obviously there's always a pressure to get these things edited down and cut scenes and, yes, you know, whenever you yep. watch a movie there's deleted scenes because they've had to cut it for reasons. And I quite like the fact that obviously they've got enough footage that they feel is good enough and needs to be in the episode that they've, that they've let it go to that length. Do you know what I mean? That they haven't said, oh, we ought to round it up to an hour or... You no, know, but they've kept it to 65 minutes and 55. So that, that suggests that, you know, that there should be some good material in there. Do you know what I mean? That there isn't any filler.
2: Yep. Yeah, absolutely, which is good. Um mm. and uh, one thing that we've been used to um over the past uh, this series and series 8 which annoys the hell out of me is the bloody Hold on. <laughs> damn strictly come dancing. Damn, oh. damn it all into the fires of bloody damn hell.
3: Yes, damn that. You've been hanging around with the moth too much. He uses bloody, (laughs) all this swearing. Yeah. yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you, mate, why can't the show, well, we know why, because of flipping strictly, but it's so annoying that a program as important and as popular and as well viewed as Doctor Who cannot be on at a consistent time each week. It's ridiculous.
3: Yeah. It does drive me mad having to constantly check every week when it's on, yeah. and I literally do. It's not even an exaggeration. I never know when it's on. Yeah, no and nor, either, no. Yeah. And, and yeah. nor does anyone else because I spend a, sort of the last half an hour just chatting to people. When's it on? I don't know. I'll have a look. You know what I mean? It's,
2: it's yeah, it's infuriating. Exactly the same thing. Um, whenever I want to see right, when's Doctor Who on? Oh, I literally have no idea. Nope. so I'm going to have to Google it and go on Radio Times or something or Sky. And find out. But anyway, um, the first part of it, um, Heaven Sent, is on at five minutes past eight on the 28th of November. Mm. And then the finale, Hellbent, is on at exactly eight o'clock on the 5th of December. Excellent. And uh, those two will obviously follow on um, uh, and deal with what's happened in episode 10, which is on tomorrow night, Face the Raven. Mm. so that's going to be an interesting uh, see how they how they follow on from that stuff
3: like you said if you put even just the two of them together you've got pretty much a film if you put the three of them together which they kind of all by the sounds of it are going to sort of you know flow in, into each other by the looks of it yes um yeah. yeah you've got yeah let's just yeah i was going to say let's just hope it's a, a great finale because it's, it's been a good run this series i think pretty overall um, overall, overall, yeah. it's been a couple of little glitches, but it's been a good run. Yeah, and um, I'm hoping, yeah, I'm I'm I've got high hopes for the finale this year because there's been you know some official synopsis released for them, uh, which give an awful lot away. Actually, I have to say, I mean, I read them and I was quite shocked how much information they give, and I'm not going to say it on here because people might not want that stuff ruined for them. But um, but from what I've read, these sound really epic. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, so I'm, I'm, I've got high hopes. I'm just hoping we don't get another Death in Heaven because that was such a killer of a, you know, um, it was such a letdown to, to, to Series 8. So I'm really hoping these live up to the, the you know, the promise, which it looks like they're going to, you know. I don't, yeah, I'm very, very excited for this finale. Yes. And I'll tell you what I did love as well. The moth was saying... About the Christmas special, just jumping ahead, um, he's been chatting a lot to Russell T Davis recently, and he was saying that um, he had pretty much planned to leave at the end of that of the Christmas special coming up. Yeah, before he signed on for Series Ten, but he'd pretty much decided that was him going, and he'd chatted to Russell, and Russell had turned around to him and said, "You know what? If that's going to be your last episode, just do what the hell you want. Don't worry about anything. Just go out with what you know. Don't." Don't think of the consequences, just do whatever you want. And so the moth wrote it in that style (laughs) and then decided, oh, I'm going to stay. So I'm really thinking, my, you know, what's going to happen in that Christmas? It's made me more excited for the Christmas special as well. So I'm just sort of thinking, wow, he's written it thinking it's his last charade, if you like. Um, So, yeah, it's going to be good. But, yeah, very excited for this finale.
2: It's interesting you say that he's been talking to to Russell a lot recently Mm. because his influence has been on series nine because mm. one of the things that annoyed the heck out of me from Matt Smith's era um for most of it was the every single episode and I I could be wrong here so please tell me guys if if I'm wrong but one of the things that annoyed me was there was never any mention or even recognition of David Tennant's era so the doctor never mentions rose or mm. martha or any of those from russell's era it's only recently that we've started to see tenant pop up yeah in this series and stuff and um the mention of past companions but th- especially for things like series five six and i think for most of seven they never even acknowledge any of the previous doctors or any events from russell t davis's era
3: yeah, he could be right. I think when it started, it yeah, he obviously wanted to put his stamp on it. But yeah, I think maybe he got a bit carried away. Yeah. Um, because he he almost started to rewrite Russell's
2: era,
4: didn't mm, he? Yeah.
3: Um, quite clearly as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
2: But, anyways, it, you can tell that he's been talking to Russell recently.
3: Yeah, you can, and it's had a much more. A lot of these episodes have had a more. RTD feel about them in a way. I think, like even the Zygon one, it was sort of action-packed, fast-moving, humour. Do you know what I mean? It, to me, that felt a little bit more like going back to the Russell T davis era. Yeah. Not not quite as much. I mean, Russell was quite light-hearted at times, but do you know what I mean? This, this series has definitely had a bit more RTD feel about it at times. I think.
2: Yeah, you're right, actually.
3: Yeah, yeah. Than we've had before. Yeah. Mm so anyway yeah great great news about that running times can't wait to bring on the final but obviously we've got face the raven first which mm. uh well again they've we've, we've heard a lot about this and they're really putting it out there about things that are going to be in it so yeah interesting to see what we get
2: <laughs> yeah
3: right in other news uh well last bit news actually we've had some details released for this war doctor set coming out from big finish um they've put it up for pre-order it's coming out next month as well it seems like because normally when they announce stuff it's so far in advance but this is coming out next month um it's a good price as well at the minute the pre-order price is 20 pounds uh presumably that'll jump up to 40 at some point
2: i assume so yeah yeah it's yeah. So
3: strange isn't it that they double the price i know i still can't get my head around that um but anyway yeah get <laughs> it while it's get it while it's a good price get it while it's hot um they've released the art yeah get it while it's hot they've released the artwork for it and the disc Covers and stuff, and it looks brilliant, doesn't it? It's called the Doctor Who: The War Doctor One Only. The monstrous, brilliant title. Uh, John Hurt, obviously. It's also got Jacqueline Pierce in it, who I love from Blake Seven. Blake. Blake. Uh, So great cast. Um, They've released the names of because it's a is it a four or five disc set? There's four.
2: It's a three story.
3: Three story four disc set, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the three stories are the innocent. Uh, the Thousand Worlds, and The Heart of Battle. Ooh. So some good titles in there. Um, and it just looks brilliant. I mean, I I am definitely going to be pre-ordering
2: this. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to how John Hurt sounds as well, because he's got a very distinctive voice and a very... He's almost got that Gandalf vibe,
4: Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. He's got this yes. very
2: wise, you know... Um, has been there very much been there and done it and got the t-shirt in terms of his role as the doctor um so i'm, I'm really looking forward to uh to seeing how how he how he stacks up on big finish i'm assuming it's going to be very good because he's a great actor i can't imagine this being a one of the bad ones
3: no, no, not at all. I gotta say, he's quite gravelly voice now, isn't he, John? Hmm. Over the years, his voice has become, like you said, quite gritty and quite gravelly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it says here as well that recording is also completed on the second War Doctor set. So he's already recorded that, and that's gonna be called Infernal Devices. Ah, cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yep. Uh, and it says more details to come soon, so presumably that'll be up for pre order. But yeah, I would like to get this, and I'm also tempted to get that unit what's it called unit not dominion is it no that's what's the one with kate stewart extinction oh, extinction
2: oh the yeah new one. yeah
3: because that's going to jump up in price any day now and i'm hearing because wasn't sure about it but i'm hearing really good things um from people about that release
2: yes yep
3: so i'm i'm tempted to get that and this one uh while they're still at a decent price um, and just hope that the postman doesn't nick them. Basically. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they yeah, yeah they both they both sound really good, don't they? Yeah,
2: yeah. So big finish on a roll as usual.
3: Pretty much. Oh, just quickly while well, I think of it, did you hear that little snippet of the tenth Doctor audio that they released yesterday?
2: Right. I did. Yes. How
3: good was that? I mean, a little bit shouty, but it just they've just slipped straight back into it. Haven't they? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a cracker. I, I was
3: getting the feels weren't you I was
2: indeed I'm not just saying yeah. that because I'm a 10th a, a Doctor fan but I honestly think that one's going to be because David Tennant and Catherine Tate they are so good together mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a good one
3: they're a match made in heaven for Big Finish as well I just think they'll be so good on audio those two yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah, going to be good so yeah loads of good stuff uh, to, to throw your money at from Big Finish
2: yes indeed mm. that is going to wrap for news Um Adam My good fellow. hello. (laughs) What are we going to be reviewing this week?
3: This week, Gary, and I'm turning to dust as I speak. It's sleep no more. There
1: are no cameras here. No CCTV. No helmet cams. So how and why does this footage even exist? The dust has been watching us. It's little organic smirk. Just a tiny spy, drifting through the air. The monsters have been with us all along. That's why the Sandmen are blind. Their visual receptors are being hijacked. But by whom, and why? And then, there's this. That's you, Clara. That's you, looking at me. Me? You entered to the port. The Morpheus process has begun. Well... There's nothing here from Chopra's point of view. Because he refuses to use Morpheus, but everybody else is here, including you. You don't have a camera, Clara. But you will have by now. Sleep in your eye. Okay,
3: well, we'll fix this. You will fix this. Yes!
2: I think there's something else that needs fixing before that. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
3: good, good good luck good luck for the synopsis on this one.
2: Yeah. So sleep no more. Um, we, as you've probably already seen, um, this is one of the uh, forays into a slightly different approach um, to how they make uh, episodes of Who. So this one dives into the found footage thing. Um, and it, it picks up from, it looks like a vlog from, from one of the main characters. Um, he's, he, he's telling you the story and, um, he's telling you it via lots of video clips, essentially. And the Clara, um, the Clara, uh, Who's the doctor Clara? and Clara have already landed on this, um, space station. Um, and they're having a poke around, which you don't really know at first because we the story starts with um after this kind of strange intro with um, uh with Rasmussen, um it it he's the something's happened on the station and these small team of completely and utterly useless um rescue party soldiers, mm, I yeah. guess, uh, turn up to see if there's any survivors and sort stuff out um, and then quick things quickly escalate into into panic because um, they discover these very weird creatures which turns out that they're made of oh crikey that they're made out of sand it's not really sand, it's like dust particles and stuff from
4: yeah, oh, yeah. from the machine
2: yeah, um, and yeah so it's down to the Doctor and Clara to to save the day as usual, um, but we don't really know if they save the day because the episode ends on such a strange unconclusive thing um, yeah
3: see the thing is when this when I finished watching this, i didn't know it was a, a standard. I thought every story in this series was a, was a two parter yeah. so I kind of like when it finished, I thought, what on earth is that? Because the Doctor actually says, none of it makes any sense. And I thought, well, you know, hopefully they'll explain this in the next one because I have no idea what just went on. And then, obviously, it is a standalone episode because next week has got absolutely nothing to do with this. Yeah. Um, and yeah. the, to be honest with you, just while I remember, because you've just played that clip, one of the things that really gets me about this episode, really burns the bacon, to quote you, Gary, that Clara says there about her eye and the Doctor's like, don't worry, we'll, we'll fix it, we're going to fix it. We never come back to that. And so does that, has she still got this dust in her eye? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, carry on.
2: Yeah, and that's the long and short of it, Mm. really. So this is um, uh, Mark Gattis' uh, written episode. Mm. Yeah. Um,
3: No title sequence. It was kind of done... Yeah. You know, like you said, this found footage so they thought we would take out the title sequence. So there's a very brief moment at the start where we get this sort of almost Matrix style writing. Yeah. And it's got Doctor Who hidden in the letters, thousands of letters. And yeah. I also saw Oswald hidden in it. And I'm sure there's lots of other things hidden in it and stuff. Just out of interest, actually, before we really get into this one, how many times have you watched it?
2: I've watched this twice.
3: Same as me. I've watched it twice as well. Yeah. Um, I definitely, it's one of those, epi- I, have to, I have to be completely honest, I didn't even want to watch it again. I really, it was a real struggle to put it on, but I hadn't made notes the first time. So I was like, I've got to watch it again. And I always think it's worth watching episode twice. And I have to say, it, it does benefit from a second watch because I actually, under- not because I enjoyed it more, but I actually understood it a lot more a second time. Uh, you know, there were so many things I missed the first time round. Um, and I think the reason for that is 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 the is the fact it's such an unengaging episode. Because there's some great ideas in here. There's some dreadful ideas as well. But there's some great stuff bubbling under the surface of this episode. Um, and the actual idea and concept behind it is, is not bad. But it's so unengaging that I missed all of that pretty much on a first watch. Um, so, yeah, I went back and I watched it a second time. It probably does need a third watch to really get it because there are still some bits that I just don't understand. Mm-hmm. Like um, the Sandmen, I don't even know if they're real because basically the whole thing is constructed by uh, Reece Shearsmith's character, Rasmussen. He's constructed the whole thing. That's the big twist at the end. Yeah. It's all him. He's orchestrated everything. Mm-hmm. The engine's failing. Everything you see, he's orchestrated it. So are the Sandman re- real? Are they're the glitch in the video. There's just so many bits I just still haven't quite got my head around. Um, I mean, they are real, aren't they? Presumably, yes. They're there. Yeah. Um, but how does he orchestrate it in the way that it's played out on screen? I just, I just don't know. It's yeah. I, I don't know about you. Did did you get more from it on a second viewing? No, you didn't.
2: No, I I kind I kind of knew what was what was going on on the first watch. It was more the ending right. that, that threw me off because, um, yeah. Cause we find it at the end that, that Rasmussen was actually one of those sand creatures all along. Yeah. yeah. Um, but he kind of disguised himself, doesn't he? Or or, or glitched as they call it. Mm. Um, to not reveal himself, but, um,
3: cause that's, to be honest with you, that's the, that's the only bit really that I, Really like is that very very last scene where he's saying because the thing is you know that the interference in the picture, which is yeah one of my notes I made the first time I watched it was uh, sorry when, when I was watching it was that it's so overdone that thing of the camera keep glitching and stuff. So when it turns out that that's actually the you know the the, the signal the thing that's going to put this into your brain, mm-hmm. and and then he turns to sound So I, that's the only bit of the episode I think is is really cool i liked that twist i didn't get it the first time right because i was just like just, just I, i've never watched an episode or 2 and just sat on my screen for like two minutes afterwards just staring at a blank screen because <laughs> i just really didn't know what i just watched but i did like that twist ending and him fading away that's about the yeah about the only bit i really kind of got yeah if you like i liked that twist because you know the fact it was in the video not anything else so mm-hmm. yeah that was all right yeah so where do we start?
2: Yeah. Um, oh, crikey. I'm, I'm really, really, really miffed at Mark Gattis and Stephen Moffat on this one. Yeah. Which totally just, you know, I said earlier that Moffat's such a cool guy and stuff like that. On this occasion, I think him and Mark have completely, I, I just cannot, I cannot fathom how they didn't watch this back afterwards and think what have we done i i'm honestly my mind is boggled and confused how how well not even to that point how this ever got into production in the first place hmm. is just beyond me
3: right i okay. don't
2: i don't think i've ever watched an episode of doctor who and then afterwards thought to myself i hated that really okay i absolutely hated it
3: wow see i don't hate it i, I hate don't... it right i no, think I... it's
2: one of the most pointless terribly acted terribly written just nonsensical rubbish that i've ever watched from who
3: wow strong words they um, are strong words and yeah no that's that's your opinion absolutely and i I, I probably would have been with you 100% after a first watch, but I, I can see more to it. Um, I can get more from it. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, the thing is, I do, I don't know, as I said, I do think there's a couple of good ideas bubbling under the surface here. Um, like what? Well, I, I like, like the Morpheus machine. I mean, and, and, and as I say, this glitch in the video and, and stuff like that. And, and I think, to be honest with you, my biggest issue with this episode is the way it's been produced and directed.
4: Right. Um, okay,
3: that's right. that's my personal feelings. So I I do think there is substance in there that could have made for a good episode, but I just find the way. You can, okay, so let's start with the fact it's found footage. Yep. For a start, none of it feels like found footage at all. It hasn't even got that that style about it. You know, it's so all all the all the audio is clear, and it. I know it turns out to be cameras in dust in the air or whatever but yeah. which which is a, uh, again I can't get my head around how is that even recording stuff but anyway yeah. but yeah it, it's just the overall sort of um pacing direction and style of this episode which yeah. could have been improved trust me mate i know you think it's a, a, an absolute car crash but there are bits in there if this had been done differently i think we could have had a half decent episode but it's oh, yeah. just all thrown in the bin because it's just so flatly directed. And, oh, yeah, that's that's the biggest issue I have with this episode. It's just the way it was produced. Because I think some of the ideas, like the whole found footage and, and and the Morpheus machine and the monsters and that terror threat and, you know, the fact that it's this evil guy played by Reese Shearsmith who's a great actor he
2: is good. but doesn't yeah.
3: give a great performance. I kept thinking he's really not giving 100% in this. Mm-hmm. And again, I just think he could have been brilliant at it. this. Trust me, I think if this had been done right, this could have been a really dark, sinister, scary episode, but yeah. it just wasn't produced right.
2: Yeah. I I totally agree. And that's the, that's
3: what I feel about it. Yeah.
2: So the whole found footage thing. Yeah. Um, this, this is one of the things that I'm that I'm annoyed about. Um the way that cuz it's it's one of those things where it's just pure frustration because we've said it a few times on the mm. show, where we've reviewed poor episodes, but there's like an underpinning concept that could potentially be really good. Yeah, you know, um, and the thing with the found footage for me was they've tried to they've tried to fool the the viewer. They've tried to. They, they, it, it's basically like a load of filmmakers trying to pretend that this is. Because the, the audience isn't stupid. You know, the whole concept uh, of found footage has been around for years now. Mm. So we know how it works, and we know that there are some movies that have done really well from the found footage thing and some that are really poor. But yeah. what they've done is, like you've said, the way that it's been directed and the way that it's been framed and, and, and edited and stuff, it it's like... Uh, uh, it's almost like a normal episode of Doctor Who, yeah, but they 've just put some film grain over the top, and they've put like this choppy sound effect in every 10 seconds to try and fool you into thinking that it's found footage, but it's just an uh, it 's almost a, a standard episode, but they've just layered crap over the top to yep. make you think like, oh this is and it, it and it just fails at every single point. Yeah. It didn't it's feel not, like that. It no. didn't
3: feel like fanfare. And like you said, they're, they're sort of almost treating the audience like idiots. Cause I mean, I'm sure you were the same when the doctor goes Clara, but that's from your point of view. And I'm thinking, yeah, I realized that 20 minutes ago. Of course. Yeah. It's like, of course we realized this. It just, it, it just didn't work. You know that if that was supposed to be a, a shock twist revelation, um, it just, yeah, like you said, fell, fell really flat. Yeah. Um, and also there's ways of making things scary. Okay. This episode, had no title sequence. It had barely any music. Yeah. Okay. Obviously, mm-hmm. all done on purpose. You know, to try and make it feel real and stuff. But you can use sound effects and, and and dread and you know there are ways of of getting you know sort of music sound effects in there to add a bit of ambience. But there was hardly anything. Yeah. It just. It, yeah. It just. It could have been done
2: so much better. It, basically, it could have been really scary as well. But it the, could have been yeah. the thing we found. Footage is that if if you're going to do that stuff correctly then you have, you have to put yourself in the mind of somebody who's, who's potentially terrified of what's happening. And because you wouldn't... So say if you, were in, if you personally were in that situation where you're on a, a space station, what was it called, the Le Verrier Space Station, mm. um, or in orbit around Neptune, conveniently. Um, <laughs> if you were in that situation and you were being hunted by these sand creatures and stuff, you wouldn't go into a room and go into that room and think right i need to get everyone's face in my line of vision as if i'm filming a program yeah you know it's found footage is a lot more messier and choppier and not everything is in frame and it kind of it's one of those things where you with found footage it lets your mind fill in the black in the blanks and create an image in your head of what's happening because you're, you're, you're watching something and you'll think, turn around, turn around, I can't yeah. see, turn around. But
3: exactly, the way yeah. that this
2: was done was that everything was there for you. Everything was done as if it was a normal episode. They just tried to, they tried to lull you into thinking this was found footage. And it, 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 the more I think about it and the more I talk about it, the more it's winding me up.
3: Yeah, because it, it never never felt like found footage no, to me no. at all. And, yeah, I know it sort of gets to the end and it's supposed to have all been orchestrated by this guy and everything. But, yeah, like you said, it, it could have been so much more effective. Yeah. And the thing is, I, I'm not a big fan of found footage films anyway because I think I think they've had their time. and Like you said, they're a bit old hat now. So when this was first announced, my first impression was – because Doctor Who's been trying to sort of keep itself fresh. I mean, the moth has said himself – you know, he found himself slipping into a bit of a rut, and you know, sort of almost doing it by numbers. He really wanted to shake things up in series eight and nine, yeah. and he's kind of done a good job of that. I mean, if you look at series seven, it was it was very much la da da. You know, you could sort of almost see everything coming. He did shake things up. So when he announced this found footage episode, I was thinking it was almost a step back straight away. I was thinking, oh dear, yeah. that's been done to death. Why are you doing that? But I thought, you know, it might work. It might work. So already it felt a bit mm-hmm. old hat to me.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I read you. So yeah. So yeah, I mean and that's that's one of the things why I'm I'm really the the thing that that burns my bacon the most about it mm-hmm. is that you've got a seasoned Doctor Who writer. You know, Mark Gattis, it's not his first rodeo. No, no. And you've got the moth. So the two of them together should have been should have come up with something a million times better than this. Mm. That's what, it's not like we've got a first time writer and you think, oh, you know, you, you've kind of, you, you haven't nailed it on your first, your first one out of the trap sort of thing. But, you know, hopefully in the future you'll, you'll turn something in that's a lot better. This is a guy that has been a Who fan for most of his life. Knows Doctor Who Inside Out, has produced, or sorry, has written at least one very good Doctor Who episode. No, two really good episodes. And you've got the Moth who oversees it all, and should have been on it, and should have said, "We can't do this. We cannot do this."
3: Oh well, yeah, or we need to change that. Yeah, you know I mean, like, yeah, if you watch this back, I mean, you can't. It's almost as if they went to lunch, isn't it, and left someone to to exactly. finish it up. Yeah, and then said, "Oh well, don't put it in the can." Yeah, if you'd have been watching this back, you would have thought, right, we got we got to do something about this because it's that. I think its biggest crime is it's not entertaining. I so it's so slow and. It's just so unengaging as an episode. I think is 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 one of its biggest downfalls. Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, yeah some of the other stuff you could excuse, but it's so ugh. and it's yeah, lazy. Just, yeah, it's lazy. It's lazy. Writing. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because if we think back to Under the Lake, yeah, where Doctor and Clara they've gone inside this under undersea base. It's kind of like the classic under siege thing, and they're getting hunted by these ghosts, and they run into a room and shut the door. This is all the same. It's the same stuff.
3: And it's the same blimmin' set. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's one of the first things I wrote, actually, because uh, I, I think I said this when Under the Lake went out, so I I always get, but when you get a group of people in a base under siege and that i'm like it's, it's been done to death yeah. and i think i said that in under the lake but it kind of worked an awful lot better mm-hmm. so when we get another group of people in a base under siege i'm like oh that was the first note i wrote i was like oh here we go again it just felt so unoriginal mm-hmm. and let, which brings me on to the cast because yes if you're gonna if you're going to have a a group of people getting knocked off in a base under siege, at least make them likeable or flesh out their characters. Because that was the good thing about Under the Lake. By the time we got to the end of episode one, you'd got to know them a bit and you kind of cared about them. People were getting knocked off left, right and centre in this, mostly off camera, so you didn't even know if they were alive or dead. But you didn't care at all about them. I mean, you had the grunt guy, for example. Um, You know, what was that idea? It was kind of just thrown in there and never went you know never went anywhere
2: well it was a woman wasn't it well the grunt yeah
3: see this goes to show how unengaged i was see i've watched this twice i thought the grunt was that bloke who's forced to sing the song you know bomb bomb Bom Bom Bom, 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 bom. Oh, i that... thought that was, was that the grunt no right Th- that see? was a
2: guy that got separated quite early on
3: oh see i couldn't keep track of the characters i, I still don't know any of their names yeah. um you know so who's who was the main characters in this?
2: Um so I reckon uh, the the guy that was um the soldier that refused to use the Morpheus machine. Um which I we probably for- I forgot to mention in the synopsis at the beginning really, but the Morpheus mm-hmm. machine is this thing that uh, the main character uh, rasmussen has been working on where I think you spend 5 hours in this pod and it adjusts your brain chemistry and you can stay awake for a month or something. Yeah. But this guy, um one of the soldiers, his name was called Chopra. Right, and he's the he's the one that was a bit shouty in attitude. He refuses to use it, which is why he has no dust in his eyes to act as a as a camera. Right, as as footage from his, his dust in his eyes. But so there was that guy. There was um, the the leader of their their squadron called Nagata.
3: Was that the one with the dodgy accent? She had like the worst
2: northeastern accent yeah. I've All right, ever pep. ever. She oh. My was God!
3: That, is that that one? Is that that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah.
2: Everything was pet, but she. Oh. Yeah. Then you had the grunt, and her, her. She was played by an actress called Bethany Black, but her actual character name was called Seven Four Seven because they're grown as soldiers, aren't they? Right. Okay. You know, they're they're grown as just frontline grunts, uh, basically.
3: Oh, see, I'm totally lost now because I was. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I, all the, as I said, I've watched this twice, and I thought the grunt was that sort of bulky chap who.
2: no he was like the comedian because you know at the very beginning um, before we had that very strange kind of Matrixly style reveal of the the thing you know we saw those soldiers and they were had a bit of banter and they were mucking about Mm. he was the guy that was was meant to be quite funny his character name was Deep Ando he's the guy that had to try and sing his way through the door because when the bass was active at the Christmas party, they had reprogrammed the security doors and you had to sing.
3: Right. Yeah. I See, again, this has all just gone over my head, even after two watches. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So he was the one that was just about to get his bum kicked by the sand people and managed to sing his way through at the last second.
3: I do I was half expecting you to play that blimmin' song in at the start of this. Bomb, bomb, boom, boom. It kept getting played, didn't it, Mister yeah. Sam. Always makes me think of uh, Uncle Buck. Anyway, right. Uh, so those,
2: those the supporting cast, rubbish, completely dreadful. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'd I'd go, go to far as say is the worst I've seen in newer Doctor Who.
3: Yes, I'm thinking Hon- honestly, mate. I
2: can't yeah. think back even even like some of the annoying characters and things like robot of Sherwood and Mm. mate. Well, I'm not sure about anyway, one of the worst, um, they were just, they tried to do that little character build thing at the beginning where they set up each character and what they're about. So we had...
3: Oh, yeah, and it keeps... But that, again, kept taking me out of the story because I I hate it when you get a story and it keeps stopping and starting. And that's all this episode did for the entire 45 minutes. Stopping, starting, zooming in on faces, information. Oh, it just was so hard going.
2: Yeah. 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 And then we had... I mean, the main main character, Rasmussen, I could see that potentially that could have been a really good character.
3: And it's Rhys Shearsmith as well yes who's okay we'll overlook his performance of the second doctor and thing but he's a good actor and i really do like you know his stuff i love um psychoville it's one of my favorite things and he's capable of so much and it Mm -hmm. it really felt like he was holding back in this and i don't know if that was direction or what but he, Mm -hmm. he should have yeah he should have brought this up and he and he didn't for me yeah. Um, at all. He was really weak, actually.
2: Yeah, and I thought that at the at the very, very beginning, I thought, okay, this, this could be a cool character. Mm. We could see some good stuff, but it turned out to be just exactly the same performance throughout the entire episode. He didn't... There was no dynamic with him at all. Nice. It was just this flat all the way through.
3: Why was he hiding in that wall as well? You know, when they go in the... There were so many little bits in this, I was just like, what's happening? You know, there was the bit where they... They walk into a room near the end and he's just the panel slides back and he's just behind it and he comes out and tells them all about his grand plan and that casket with Prisoner Zero or whatever it is and all that.
2: Do you oh, know what I mean? Yeah. What's was that all about? I don't know. He was just hiding in there, wasn't just,
3: he? he? He's hiding in there, but when they come in, he comes out. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> it's the worst game of hide and seek ever. Just but a part yeah. of
2: his orchestration, isn't it? To get the, us, to get them the in viewer there. to watch mm. his story about how, mm. you know, how he, you know, anyway. Yeah. So, the sand people, the the various sand men dotted Mm -hmm. around, Mm -hmm. um, no design in those at all. Just looked like... They didn't even look like sand. No, they didn't. It wasn't until we had the very dodgy um, uh, CG effect of them deteriorating into sand. Even then, it didn't... uh, Just their design, it didn't look like... um, I mean, I'm not sure how they would. It was quite a tough brief, I suppose, for the for the effects guys and the costume mm. guys. But it just, it looked more like um like wet mud. It looked like real muddy. It didn't look like dry sand that would like start deteriorating into into grains of sand at any point. It just looked like um like walking muddy beehives. It was mm. yeah. There was just no design in that at all
3: they certainly didn't look like sand or sleepy dust or whatever they were meant to be yeah. i have to say i didn't mind the design of them like with this the big mouth open as a sort of creature um you you're right they don't look like what this they you know like the brief i would imagine but i didn't mind the overall look of them in terms of if they were in a book or something like you know i can imagine like a sketch of them they'd look pretty cool with this sort of mouth open sort of thing but yeah yeah, the the actual realization of them wasn't great because they just looked very rubbery i think there was one good shot where they was there was sort of fire and flames and they were coming towards you because they were kind of um distorted Uh, do you know what i mean if they would have been sort of kept in the shadows or again comes back to the direction they'd have been shot properly or or whatever i think they could have worked um but it's just that you just saw so much of them that it was just yeah, they just didn't didn't look that good. But I didn't I didn't actually mind the design of them though, to be honest with you. I thought, you know, the kind of like the big scary mouth open face. But, okay. Yeah. But yeah. I, I get where you're coming from.
2: It just looked like there wasn't either they had no time at all to design up what they looked like and put a costume together, or they missed the point, you know, something else in this episode where the point you know, they were off point.
3: They they look a bit like they're made of porridge.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It looked like <laughs> Like glunky, gloopy, yeah, muddy type things. They didn't look like sand men at all. No, they didn't look like sand men, no. Um, right. Anything uh, before we get on to Clara and the doctor? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think to this whole concept of um, there's dust inside your, you know, the corner of your eye and, you know, they can somehow get a, a perfectly fine HD video feed? from a, a speck of dust um, what did you think to that concept
3: well yeah it, it, it's ridiculous <laughs> uh I, I mean i don't really yeah i don't want to sort of just keep laying into this episode but i'm afraid i've got to because it's yeah it's it's <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just yeah. stupid yeah. um yeah, yeah i can't think of it i just can't say anything other it just yeah I, I, I must admit the first time i watched it i kind of thought you know, I found myself sort of sat here thinking, what? Yeah, you know, have yeah. I missed something? Like, that's, that's what I kept thinking all the way through this. Have I missed something? Like, what are they talking about? You know, this something made of sleepy dust is filming everything going on and making monsters. I don't know. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just not. There are two things about that that really done my head in. The first one was partway through the episode. Um, there are various scenes where you can see the doctor looking at Clara. Yeah. But it's the footage from Clara. So I thought to myself, well, that, um, and I'm I'm sure a lot of you guys were the same, where you thought, well, that's not right because Clara's not wearing a camera. Yeah. So this can't be right. And I thought to myself, well, this is going to be quite clever. You know, it's either going to be a mistake (laughs) or it's going to be quite clever how they explain this one. And then when the doctor explains it that it's a, a speck of dust I was like are you kidding me mm. you, have, you and then there was like other things where like there was just dust particles in the air and that's how they managed to film like a group of people from like you know a little bit higher up and stuff like that but dust doesn't move like that
3: no it's not perfectly still in, yeah of course I mean, not
2: it's ridiculous
3: it is ridiculous and I know in Doctor Who you you've got to suspend your belief to a certain extent. Yeah. But there are some things like this where it's just like, wow, God. I mean it's it's more the idea behind it, isn't it? It's just it's almost clutching at straws, really. It's just yeah, it's just a silly, silly idea, I think. Yeah. It's, who who yeah. was patient zero in the box as well? Or was there anything in there?
2: Patient Zero, I think that isn't was it? just like the first person he tested out the Morpheus machine on. Oh, right. um, and had just been in there for so long, that yeah, we never
3: saw them, did we, or anything? I, no. Not
2: before they turned into a sandman, no.
3: Right. Okay. Because the other thing I didn't like with, you know, when Clara gets dragged into the machine, uh, the Morpheus oh, yeah. machine. Yeah. Did you understand what was happening at that point? Because I know
2: it's. Y- yes. This is another. This is another <laughs> slip up for me.
3: Because again, I thought I'll have to rewatch that because I don't know what... what, She just suddenly is inside it. There was... Again, I know we've found footage, so, okay, the camera... The dust cameraman (laughs) missed that bit. But again, the direction there was just... Because I was like... She was looking at the front of the pod, and then suddenly she's in it.
2: Yeah. Well, that's the thing, that that there was no context around that. And It it was totally... That bit of script was completely bizarre, because those pods those morpheus machines all they were were designed by this Rasmussen guy cuz he's like the the lead guy the lead researcher doing mm. all this morpheus stuff uh, there was no point at any time in this story or this episode where cuz the reason why Clara ends up in the pod cuz when she when they open it they say she says that she was standing next to it and all of a sudden the, dragged her the in. cables dragged her in yeah but why why would you, why would they write that in that the cables because it was never revealed that these pods were had any kind of ai or any kind of reason to drag people in mm. or anything like that there was no motive at all for these pods to drag somebody in there was just yeah. nothing to do with it's, it's got nothing to do with the pods themselves
3: and i, it also, I don't understand. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm glad it wasn't just me then, because that's what I was thinking. I just didn't get it. And and, and that brings me back to the thing with um, her eye, you know, that that never gets resolved. She's, she's like really worried. And I wondered if it was sort of going to be leading up to her leaving. I thought, oh, is this, you know, something to do? Like, don't worry. Because the doctor looks concerned, doesn't mm-hmm. he? He's like, don't worry, Clara. We'll one way or another, we'll sort it. Yeah, And obviously it didn't get resolved. And I thought, oh, is that the start, you know? Of something, um, and it, it's not giving too much to w- away to say this. We we've seen the next episode, so we we know that we this is never mentioned again. Yeah. So what yeah. is that? What a why is it in there? It uh, and B, what happens? Like do yeah. do we just assume that she goes in the Tardis and the Doctor gets his sonic shades out and everything's fine, or what? What what was that about?
2: Exactly. See, I'm it's, getting um... annoyed
3: now because that really bugged me because I kept thinking. Yeah, what's going on with Clara's eye? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so like
2: it, this is not a spoiler at all. So just to, to put you guys, your minds at rest, this storyline and this whole thing about the speck of dust or several specks of dust in Clara's eye mm. doesn't get mentioned or brought up again. No, so, it doesn't. So that's not a spoiler. Um, and yeah, it's completely random because she's clearly quite concerned about it. She's like, you can fix this, right? We're yeah. going to fix this. And he's like, yeah, don't worry. We'll sort it out. But then, like you say, we just nev- we never get told if she was sorted out or whatever. It's just left.
3: It, it's just left. And that, yeah, it it's really random. bugged me, which is why I, I, I sort of mentioned the fact that we send the next one, because it really bugged me. I was like, the, the it's, it seemed like an implor- important plot point. You know what I mean? It seemed like it yeah. was going somewhere and it was put in there for a reason. Yes. Um, yeah, but I, but it but it just wasn't,
2: yeah. Yeah, and I thought, ah, is is this the plot device that they're going to use for Clara's exit? That's what I thought. Because we all know that she's going, and then we all know that she's going in tomorrow night's episode. Mm-hmm. You know, so is this the is this the point? Is yeah. she going to like, you know, deteriorate into a Sandman?
3: <laughs> but, I hope we're not giving too much away. But it is something that really bugged me about about this episode.
2: No, we're not. There's no spoilers in what we've said. No, Every, everybody no. knows that it's Clara's last episode. Yeah, and you know, but yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that it just never gets mentioned. We don't know what happens. We don't know if the doctor, you know, manages to remove the speck of dust and all that stuff. It's just completely random.
3: Who gets in the TARDIS as well at the end? Is is the Doctor Clara, and is it that woman who actually manages to escape? Because apparently, the Moth has asked Gattis to write a sequel to this. You know this, don't you? No. Have you not heard this? This is, honestly, I'm not, this is genuine. Um, after the episode aired, it was revealed that Stephen Moffat has actually asked Mark Gatiss, or Gattis to, to write a sequel to this story. So I'm just thinking, oh, Lord, how's that going to work? Because that's that's just led me on to thinking, who gets in, because it does, it. the one thing about this episode is, it doesn't have a conclusion, apart from the twist. It has a twist, but it doesn't have a conclusion, and even the Doctor says, as he's getting in the TARDIS, None of this makes any sense. What's going on? Which is clearly, you know, what the audience is supposed to be thinking and is thinking. Yeah. So, you know, it's a bit of a sort of cheeky thing for for, for Mark Gattis to put in there. But yeah, so, that, so the Doctor, Clara, and that other woman get in the TARDIS, don't they?
2: Nagata, the team leader. Leg-
3: yeah. Nagata, yeah. Yeah. And and escape. And presumably they've all got this dust in their eye. Well, two of them have. Um, but yeah, so there is a, it is an unfinished story. And the fact that Gattis is going to write a... Um, is going to write a sequel to it, or is possibly going to write a sequel to it. How's that going to work? Do you well, know what I mean? I, I don't think we're going to, because Clara's not going to come back to, to to resolve that eye issue, is she? Unless no, she's going to pop no. to Specsavers, you know, and do a little cameo. <laughs> yeah. um, that's just not going to get resolved. So no, I don't know.
2: No, I don't know. I'm,
3: I'm yeah, I can't that, believe you didn't know they go together a sequel. And I'm not even joking. You have a look online.
2: Oh, no. I hope that doesn't. Anyway, because yeah. the only thing that they could resolve is where he takes uh, it would be a really cool sequel actually it would be about two minutes you just <laughs> see the the TARDIS materialize on whatever planet and whatever street Nagata lives at he kicks her out there you go you're sorted out goodbye see ya, pet See yeah and that's it <laughs> yeah um right so what did you think to Clara and and the doctor Jenna and, and Peter their their um, performances in this then nice. I what did you think
3: well, neither good or bad. They're just in there. I mean, nothing, there is no standout moments from this, from this episode. If I, if I really struggled to pick anything, um, that's good about the doctor and Clara in it, um, it is, is just the one scene where the doctor says, Oh, hang on. What did you say? 1.38 seconds ago. That was the only bit where I quietly kind of liked him. Mm-hmm. I thought oh, that's, that's nice. That was, that was, a nice little two second moment, but, yeah, they're, 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 not given, they're not really given any anything good in this episode. So not Peter and Jenna's fault. They're just going through the motions and there's nothing wrong with them. But yeah, there's nothing stand out from either of them in this, I don't think.
2: Yeah, that was my thoughts, really. There's nothing great. There's nothing terrible. They're not given anything to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. if I was Capaldi, I would have smacked Mark Gattis across the face <laughs> and say, are you, are you having a laugh? Because yeah. there's nothing there's nothing in there for them two to latch on to and oh, give anything of a decent performance because it's just so flatly poorly written. And and perfect? I really it's frustrating because um when especially this series, when Capaldi and Coleman get a good script, it's been amazing. Mm. They've been absolutely just brilliant in some of the episodes this series. But it goes to show that if they don't have a decent script, it's immediately forgettable. I I can't even remember most of the lines from, and I've seen this twice, I can't even remember most of the lines that those two uh, said throughout the episode. It just immediately just, meh, I can't remember.
3: It's not like I said, that's the only one that sticks in my head is when he, he says that about going, what did you just say? I mean, you could see it coming to mile off because she just said, oh, we haven't got any cameras. So yeah. you were sort of waiting for him to do it. But that, that was the only bit that sticks in my head. I, I can't really think of anything else they did in it. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I was going to say, the, the, you know, Capaldi does a lot of looking directly down the camera with his big wide eyes and, and that's, that's cool. But yeah, um, they weren't given a lot, to no. be fair.
2: No. Oh, man. So, I have not felt this way for a long, long time.
3: I'm trying to think. I mean, have we got any yeah. positives?
2: Is there anything cool about this?
3: Uh, the only thing I, I did like was the sort of twist, if you like, at the end—that um, the fact it was, you know, you—it's too late. You've watched it. Sort of talking to the viewer, you know, I orchestrated this. You've watched it. you know, you'll, you know, you can't unsee it. And then you, that's the only bit I liked. So that was, yeah, it's not a bad little twist. Yeah. I quite liked that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one thing I will take away from the episode. I going back to. When did we last feel like this? I don't think... I think even in the forest of the night, I don't think I felt quite as underwhelmed. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah I can't remember what I scored that. Might have to have a quick look before we score because, yeah, this is definitely on par with it. Anyway, yeah, what about you? Is there anything in it... It doesn't sound like it, but was there anything in it you enjoyed?
2: Um, oh Sorry, in the forest of the night, you gave it a 5.5. Oh, blimey, I must have been... Feeling <laughs> like, generous yeah, I gave it a four point five but right yeah, um any positives from me um i I honestly can't find one mate I'd love to be able to say, yeah, uh, there was this little glimmer of something there and there was something there, but honestly mate i i I know it was very strong words at the beginning, but you know, I hate this episode wow i I, I honestly you Know if we had a real life TARDIS, I'd jump in it, go back and say to Mark, Look, you're going to make a huge mistake. Was there anyone that liked it? Have we heard any like rumblings around of anyone that you know? Because Mark Gattis put a tweet out, mm. um, I think it was last night or the night before, I think it was the night before, so Tuesday night, where he, he basically said something along the lines of, Um, I'm, I'm glad that all of you either you know really like this episode or you for some reason hated it more than anything in, you know in life itself you yeah. know sorry for making doctor who better or destroying it before your eyes sort of thing so i think he's i think he's had a majority of a of a negative thing going on
3: there there's been a lot of yeah there's been a lot of um it's caused a lot of discussion that's yeah. one thing i will say it's good about it um yeah, I think it's overwhelmingly been quite a negative reception to this episode. Yeah. There, I was going to say, just, we'll come on to the comments in a second. Um, there are one or two people in the Geeks handbag comments that, that liked it, uh, which we'll come on to in a sec. I don't know about the blue box. Um, yeah. We'll have was... to see it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But I think the overall feeling on this one was not
2: great. Not yeah, great. Not, let's, not, let's go on to reviews. Yeah, let's go on to the scores. Is it, is it me first, I think? Yeah, you first. Uh, it's Ooh, an easy one for me. Drum roll. Yeah, this is a one. A one? A one out of ten. And, and I'm being generous.
3: Okay. Um, I've I've been a lot more generous than you. <laughs> what did I give Forrest? 5.5? 4.5. 4 point, 4.5. Oh,
2: hold on. Forrest of the night. Um, sorry. Uh, you gave that... Uh, where are we? 5.5? Right. No, 4.5. Hold on. So yeah, 5.5. Very sorry. Yeah.
3: See I, I am struggling a bit. I I'd, I'd written, after my second watch I'd written down 4.5 which maybe being a bit generous. I think I just got a bit more out of it on a second watch. I Okay. I don't yeah. I I won't change it. Uh, it's funny because when we talk through things you do start to think, "Oh, maybe." But no, that's that's what I felt at the time, so I'm going to stick with that. 4.5. So 4.5 for me. Um Okay. Yeah. For me it was just I thought there were some good ideas, but it just was just very very poorly executed episode okay. um yeah so I'm maybe being a bit generous but i'll stick with that. that's
2: what i wrote yeah for me it was a case of it was an insulting episode that's the main thing that it, it insulted the viewer
4: it right, tried okay.
2: to do something that could doctor who fans are cleverer than this come on mm. come on let's let's not beat around the bush yeah i
3: didn't hate it as much as you but i, I certainly agree with a lot of what you said a lot
2: okay <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what you guys thought. Mm. Um, we had um we had quite a few audio clips. Let's play a couple of these first. Um, oh oh, cool. uh, this is Callum MacArthur.
0: Hello, the Big Blue Box Podcast. This is my review of Sleep No More. Now this episode has to be the worst episode of Doctor Who ever. Um, I thought it looked very interesting with the preview clips and stuff, but it just got let down so much. The song in it, Mister. Uh, Sandman I think it's called Um, that's probably the only good bit about the episode plus the next time trailer so in all honesty I'm going to give this a 1 out of 10 so that was my review of Sleep No More, it was great meeting you guys at the weekend and hopefully you have a great
3: podcast see you guys later cheers Callum, cheers Callum, he's he's on par with you then, 1 at 1
2: yeah, not happy at all uh, on good to fa- see
3: you at the Think Festival, Callum. Sorry.
2: Uh, yes, it was very good, actually. Um, right, so on Facebook, uh, Gina Di DiGregorio. G- Gina Di Gregorio, Gina Di Gregorio. that's it, yeah. Uh, okay. I sort of knew um, going in that I wasn't going to be blown away as I'm not a horror fan and Gattis is so hit or miss. Uh, it wasn't terrible or anything, but it was fairly average on the whole uh, considering how wonderful this series has been. Um, it really stood out just as that average. Um, that said, I'm probably more excited over these last three episodes than anything. Anyway, thanks again for the fantastic podcast, and I hope you guys had fun at the festival. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you, yeah.
2: Um, Sammy Satine, uh, she says, uh, well, it was different. Uh, interesting idea, making monsters out of the stuff in the corner of your eyes after you wake up from sleep. Unfortunately, this was a snooze one for me. Uh, bring on face the raven, four out of ten.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, George Coppen. Uh, I quite enjoyed it 50 50 on the found footage style, uh, but it was quite interesting to see what it was like. I uh, like the idea of the Sandmen and uh, they came about with one problem um, that there were a lot of questions asked and not many answered. Mm. Uh, I thought uh, we'd we'll definitely watch it again though, 7 out of 10. Okay. Okay, nice one, George. Uh, another audio clip. This is our buddy Jay Kent.
0: Do not listen to this. I'm warning you. You'll never be able to unhear it. Joking I am, this review isn't cursed or whatever, but sleep no more. I seem to be one of the very few who thinks this episode is alright. I mean, admittedly, it's nothing spectacular, but it was passable. There was no standout moments or anything, but I thought it was very engaging and clever. It felt very classic-like with the look of the monsters and 474, who had just had Sharpie drawn on his face to make him an alien. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing I felt distorting was the cutting between the POV shots, and I'd have preferred it if it just stuck to the viewpoint of one character. But a key moment for me was, of course, the Mr Sandman songs, as it made me think of that one scene in Back to the Future. Oh, good times. Anyway, I'd give this episode a 5.5, maybe 6 out of 10, and I'll see you next time for Clara's Last Bow. Hope you had a great time at the Doctor Who Festival, and uh, have a good show. Smiley face.
2: Thank you very much, Joe. Cheers, Jay. Uh, Lewis Palmer on Facebook, he said it was all right, Uh, dreadfully dull with a poor structure Uh, when it ended I just thought, is that it Uh, no proper ending and the music kept taking me out of the story Uh, if they were pushing the fact that this is real footage then why would it have background music Uh, Mm. next week looks good though, Um, Mm. by the way the Doctor Vettel was great, Pete Cabaldi is such a nice man he is a nice man, yeah Yeah. Uh, Scott Stearns Uh, Very clever in conception, kind of dull in execution. So Mm. snooze fest for me. Mm. Uh, It also might have worked better if we had, uh, if we would not done another alien, aliens homage. That's a very good point, Scott. I forgot to mention that earlier. Um, What was that, mate? Sorry. Well, this whole thing, um, uh, because he goes on to say the third or fourth, depending on how you count under the lake after the flood. Uh, Basically, you know, we've had like a lot of reference to the alien movies. This was another one, wasn't it?
3: yeah because of the sort of group of people and all that
2: yeah yeah well if you think about the second alien film aliens Mm. it almost replicates that we have this group of almost marine type soldiers and they even had like the pulse movement tracker thing as well oh yeah yeah Um, anyway Mm. he says worst episode of the season so far Uh, the grunt storyline was the best part of the episode as well as a few of the doctor's quips Uh, let's play another audio review this is who addicts matt rowney
5: now I would talk about Sleep No More, but it will just put me to sleep. So in fact, I'm just gonna talk about how much of an amazing time we had at the Doctor Who Festival. Adam, Gary, it was an absolute thrill to meet you. You are both absolutely top blokes. We had so much fun on the Friday night and the Saturday, and I cannot wait until we meet up again. And I'm gonna to have to talk about the episode, aren't I? Damn, okay. Sleep No More, ironically, was an episode that put me to sleep. It was one of the most unbearable and unwatchable episodes in recent memory. The plot was so thin and so generic and the found footage direction worked at first but got really irritating and it was overused and it, it took me out of some of the scenes. The characters were some of the most undeveloped that we've ever had and I meant absol- they meant absolutely nothing to me. 12 and Clara spent the time running round corridors. Rasmussen was one of the most irritating characters ever, and the way he was narrating the story just irritated me and made what was already a dull experience even worse. And the Sandmen, oh my goodness, a villain made of sleep dust, really? Are we supposed to take that seriously? I don't think so. It was an absolutely terrible villain, the found footage didn't work, therefore it ruined any sort of intensity, any sort of threat, and it basically killed off the entire episode. It had nothing to it, and the end, the, the end, oh my goodness, the end was so abrupt and so unrewarding and just so ridiculously stupid, I was just left, I was, I was relieved that the episode was over, so, yeah... Sleep No More had literally nothing. It is one of the most unbearable episodes I've ever had to watch. And for the first time, I was actually generally concerned how much I disliked this episode of Doctor Who. So, yeah, I gave Sleep No More a 2 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to go have a nap now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Matt. Uh, He's not happy at all. No, he didn't
3: like it. Yeah, Uh, good. It was great to see you, by the way, buddy. It was really, really cool to hang out. Yeah. Um, And I do agree with everything you've just said, I have to be honest, yeah.
2: Let's play another audio clip straight away. This is um, a lovely young chap we met at the festival. This is Theo.
5: Hi, Gary and Adam. Um, mm. My thoughts for Sleep No More, I was actually really looking forward to this. I thought the um, Sleep No More was actually quite a good episode, which is quite surprising for Mark Gators. Um, my main complaint was the direction, really. I found it quite jarring and hard to follow, um, and that really didn't help, as the script was already um, quite confusing in the first place. Um, the plot was actually quite ridiculous with the whole sleep dust. Um, i don't really know who was thinking to be honest um and it's quite reminiscent of a base under siege story so um nothing new there then um it was great to meet you last weekend um and have a good day
2: cheers buddy
3: cheers co thanks for sending that in mate and yeah uh great to see you as well um i agree with him about the direction and yeah. do you know what i was just thinking about the read through can you imagine what the read through must have been like for this I bet everyone was just looking at each other going, what is
2: going on? Anyway. (laughs) Anyways, back on Facebook. Adam Time Nord Fishwick. Uh, It was okay. Not one that excited me that much. Face the Raven looks much better.
4: Mm. Uh,
2: Jeff Waddle. Ah. Oh, no. uh,
3: Well, Jeff switched off and we did win him back with the Zygons, but oh.
2: Yeah, he came back. Uh, So, Jeff, he he says, awful. Uh. Again, unfortunately. It just didn't work and made no sense.
3: Got to agree with you, Jeff.
2: Yeah. And then he did go on to say, um, I've kept season one box set and season five. I could watch them repeatedly, even the ones I'm not that keen on. The rest, I'd happily swap them all for the missing episodes. Mm. Very, very not happy is Jeff.
3: No, I don't blame him on this one. I have to be honest.
2: Yeah. Anyways, Martin, Bad Wolf Martin. Oh, uh, no opinion yet. But more than any other episode, this one I can't wait to re-watch, Alone Ooh. in the Dark on my iPad. Oh, so that would suggest... Potentially Is that like mini... that one.
3: Yeah. yeah. I can't gather from that whether he's watched it or not.
2: Hmm. Not hmm. sure. Uh, we had an audio clip in from um, uh, our friend over at the Theta Sigma podcast.
1: Oh, excellent. This week's story was one that left me going, what just happened there? Can someone please explain that to me as I have no idea what just went off. I have to admit that I was left floundering by the lack of opening credits and I'm sure I wasn't the only one watching who 10 minutes in was starting to think wow this has got to be the longest pre-credit sequence in Doctor Who history. I love the idea of the found footage style but for me this went on way too long. It's fair to say that it was an incredibly brave stand to build the whole show around it, but for the viewer it was ridiculously hard to concentrate and stick with the storyline. It's difficult not to cheer on Mark Gatiss. Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat, or David Tennant and Peter Capaldi, Gatiss is a lifelong Whovian, both talented and lucky enough to actually affect Doctor Who's official canon. This is part of the reason why it's so frustrating that his episodes are wildly uneven. Unfortunately, Gatiss' latest script most resembles his previous Cold War, which failed to capitalise on the potential inherent to its title. A standard Base Under Siege episode with an unoriginal New Technology Has Nasty Unforeseen Side Effects plot, Sleep No More seems better suited as a comic strip adventure in a Doctor Who annual, with several scenes contributing to nothing to the overall plot. Deep Ando having to sing Mr Sandman being the worst offender, This episode seems to be a 25-minute idea, stretched into a 45-minute runtime. So there you have it. I was left confused enough to have to look elsewhere to complete my review. As yet I've not had time to watch it a second time, but I'm hoping that as everyone out there seems to think, I'll enjoy it a little more when I do.
2: Thank you very much for the Theta Sigma podcast.
1: Yeah, interesting
3: thoughts there. I hadn't, hadn't really thought about the Cold War comparison, although I think you mentioned it earlier, but that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, It has got a lot of similarities. And I've just subscribed to, the, to their podcast, so I'm looking forward to diving into some of your back catalogue, guys.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, back on Facebook, uh, Christopher Law. Um, when Rasmussen said at the beginning, you must not watch this, I wish I had listened. Uh, everything except Capaldi and Coleman let this episode down the lack of plot dreadful characters and the lack of substantial ending Uh, he gives it a three out of ten but looking forward to face the raven Mm. Ah. Uh, Joe Sweeney Uh, never thought I would say this again since forest of the night Uh, I gotta be honest I wasn't blown away by this episode at all Uh, storyline was very hard to follow which didn't uh, go anywhere I didn't like it didn't feel like a two-part episode, had no proper ending to it. Um, didn't like the the, uh, the co-cast and the acting was wooden. Sadly, very disappointing episode of this series. Uh, just something I would rather watch on a rainy day. Uh, so three out of ten. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan Anthony. Uh, due to me being at London at the time this was broadcast, I decided to actually have fun in London rather than watch this. <laughs> After seeing the online reaction, I realised that I probably hadn't missed much um i've literally just finished watching so here are my thoughts uh well that was the weirdest thing i've ever seen i've ever watched um when i thought it was only 10 minutes into it there was actually only 10 minutes left uh, i'm left with such a crazy feeling which makes me not hate the episode but certainly not love it um it wasn't as good as the majority of the series but i'd rather watch this than most of series two and three. Oh, okay um, and it's 100 times better than forest of the night 6.5 out of 10
3: one well, one day I shall go back, and this this kind of makes you want to go back and rewatch Forest the Night* to see which is worse. Because, yeah. yeah, they're definitely uh, two of the worst.
2: Yeah. Lastly, on Facebook, uh, Ben Smith said hated it. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't even a plot. in your words. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Capaldi and Coleman got nothing to do. Uh, the supporting cast were weak and forgettable. Uh, then it just abruptly ended. Villains made out of sleep dust is so stupid. Uh, the twist ending just made it more confusing the doctor summed it up perfectly what is going on this is proof that gattis shouldn't be showrunner one out of ten i completely agree ben so do i
3: yeah i was gonna say i mean he's he's a good writer reese shearsmith is a good actor this the moffat's in charge all these elements should have made for a good episode and they just didn't
2: yeah uh last uh audio clip this is uh thomas evans
4: Hello Gary and Adam from the Big Blue Box podcast, Uh, just before I get into my thoughts on Sleep No More, I'd like to say a really big quick thank you to Adam for taking time out of his day at the festival on the weekend just gone, to uh, take that photo for me with the little sign saying wish you were there, so thank you very much Adam for doing that, but uh, Sleep No More, uh, I was very, very, um, I was underwhelmed by Sleep No More, I didn't think it was very good at all, I think it was the weakest episode of series 9, Uh, I know I have seen a couple of people who have said it was pretty good and they did enjoy it so you know that's fair enough because opinions are opinions personally I thought the story was very weak I didn't care for it at all you know I zoned out at multiple occasions even on a rewatch I kept zoning out Um, you know I didn't think the monsters were very gripping I didn't think the story as a whole was very gripping and I really just didn't feel involved which I have done with most of the previous series 9 episodes so you know on my behalf I really don't think the episode was very good and I wouldn't give it no more
3: than a 4.5 out of 10. Cheers, Tom. Mm, great. Mine's thinking like 4.5. Yeah. Anything <laughs>
2: although I am, on,
3: Sorry, go. No, I was just going to say, although I am peeling I might have been too generous. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, we had a couple on Geeks Handbag. Um, slightly more upbeat, some of them. <laughs> anyway, right. Woman with a box. She says, um, well, that was different. I could see why some would hate it and why it would work for some personally. I think a rewatch is needed. Mm, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Daleks Empire says I don't like saying me thing mean things against Doctor Who, but this has to be one of the worst ever. I must wow. have t- I must have turned into a Sandman while watching it, and Dalek Empire has given it three out of ten. Mm-hmm. Gilly Tatham, um, a very good story, like the rest of this season, very good and bodes well for the future. So Gilly liked that one. Uh Paul Gibbs. Uh, hello Paul. He says derivative derivative I can't speak. You say it, Gary Der- <laughs> Der- derivative derivative. That's the one. Dullness with another moon egg level concept. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen yeah. Hardy just says I turned over. Oh. oh dear, dear dear. Um Greg Toby, I absolutely loved this episode. Wow. Shearsmith's performance was really good and his little interruptions every now and again really helped to tell the story. Also, the design of the Sandmen wide awakes was really creepy. And the way they moved reminded me of the mummy from Mummy on the Express. I'd give this 9.5 out of 10, exclamation mark.
2: Whatever can't. you're having in your tea, I'll, I'll take some.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. And he says uh, he can't wait for Face the Raven and the return of Rig Z. Cool. Okay. Um, Jamie Lawson, I think I'm in the minority, but... In the end, I really liked it. This is hilarious when you consider that at the beginning, I thought it was a total snooze fest. While the girlfriend loved it, we completely changed perspectives by the end. Okay. Mm -hmm. And finally, oh, actually, sorry, I got a couple more. Um, Fraser Lockley left a very nice long comment, but I'm just going to say, sort of cut it down a bit. He said, got to be brutally honest, I hated it. I found the point of view filming gimmicky, pretentious and distracting. Um, And he goes on to say a lot more, which is very interesting, but basically overall, um, he didn't think much to it. Um, Jace Howells says, wasn't keen on the way it was filmed and the exclusion of the title credits, a total waste of the brilliant Reese Shearsmith. Mm. And lastly... Oh gosh, I've let myself in for it here. Michelle Ella Hilzenser. <laughs> that'll be that'll be right. Uh she says it was a pretty strange episode. It certainly was. It certainly was strange. Yeah. So surprisingly, a couple of positive comments there. Somebody gave it a 9.5 out of 10, which is, yeah, each to their own. I'm to glad their you, own. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad you glad you got something out of it. Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah i think that'll go down as pretty much the worst episode that we've reviewed i gotta say so
3: far it definitely is i don't think i mean i hated in the forest of the night but i don't think even that we laid into quite as much as this one so i think it is going to go down as the worst of new who so far
2: yeah well Um, we we had some positives to take away from forest of the night yeah not many but we had a few Mm. but i can't think of any on this one i'm sorry
3: and we've had the thing is we've we've had a good run. I mean, there's there's normally one or two clunkers in a series, um, and we've had a pretty good run with series nine. There's been a few not quite on par episodes, but you know we've been rating them pretty high. I think
2: mostly, yeah, they've been yeah. some of the best yeah. that we've had, and some of them have been, you know, not quite as strong, but still very good episodes.
3: Yeah. So is it, I suppose it is inevitable we were going to get at least one sort of real clunker, and I guess well, hopefully we haven't seen the last. Two yet, but hopefully this is uh, hopefully this is it. Um, yeah, we'll see. Yeah,
4: yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, reviews, good or bad. Um, thank you very much for typing and recording your your thoughts.
3: Yeah, loved the audio clips this week. Great to hear some some new voices, and great that our regular listeners are still contributing. It's it's, it's just brilliant.
2: Yeah, love you guys. Yeah, and I think we'll wrap there, buddy. Okay well i am think i'm a little bit exhausted from being mm. so negative about doctor who yeah it can only get better it can it can and i don't like being negative about doctor who because i always feel that there's you know at least something even some of the bad episodes from new war classic coup there's always like some cool little moments you can take away but yeah that one it just really burnt the bacon
3: mm, strange one
2: very Indeed. strange so yeah let's um yeah let's do some trivia uh, last week uh, we asked you what is the name of parallel universe jackie's dog <laughs> and uh, the answer of course is rose um justin peterson on twitter matt from who addicts on twitter and nick english on facebook you all got it correct well done guys uh, one of you guys i think it might have been matt from who addicts said uh, uh said it was called rose because it was a a, a b a b-i-t-c-h <laughs> which is uh not far from the truth anyway I this bit... week sorry go on
3: no, I was going to say, I don't think any other podcast we've ever recorded has had so much bad language in it. Since <laughs> that episode, it's brought it out with it.
2: Yeah. Uh, this week's question is, uh, before his uh, because we're talking about um, a, an upcoming uh, companion leaving us, I thought it would be cool to do a, a, a classic companion. Uh, before his death, what planet does Adric say he wants to be taken to? Oh. So, uh, literally just before his death, what planet does Adric say he wants to be taken to? That's send, interesting. Mm, send in your answers on Twitter or Facebook and we will read the correct ones out.
3: Hmm, hope we've got some Adric
2: fans out there. Good old Adric. Yeah. yeah. So thank you very much for sticking with us. It's been quite a long podcast, this one. Mm. Nearly a couple of hours, but thank you so much. And uh, as always, thank you for sending in your thoughts and reviews. Um, it's very, very cool. Even if they're bad, we still love hearing them.
3: It gives you more to talk about anyway, when it's
2: bad. Of course, yeah. Uh, So head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk and listen to all the uh, previous episodes and you can link off and subscribe on iTunes and stuff. And you can also find Twitter, Facebook and Instagram from there too. Also check out Adam's um, uh, channel on YouTube and Facebook, The Geek's Handbag.
3: Yeah, so I should be slaving away this afternoon to get that festival video ready. So that it should be up Friday evening, that's what I'm aiming for. Uh, cool. in fact it will be there is no maybe it will be up Friday evening so you'll be able to see me and Gary in the flesh Yay, cool. <laughs> so to speak
2: Coolio until next week uh, enjoy uh, Face the Raven tomorrow night uh, mm. my name's Gary and my name's Adam and remember Elodie uh,